everybody, and welcome to the Community HealthCast. My name is Deborah Rattle, and I'm so pleased to have Elizabeth Bailey here once again, and our very special guest star today also just happens to be a member of our board. She's our vice chair and also has a side gig. Some people call it a job, and she is going to tell us all about it. So please say hello to Stacey Thorburn. How are you, Stacy? I am great, Deb. Thanks. It's great to be back on a podcast again. Yeah, well, thank you for coming and, and giving of your time as you are always so generous to do. Stacey, I mentioned in your introduction that you have your side gig and you can picture me doing air quotes there. And in all seriousness, you have a pretty amazing job and do a pretty amazing job at it. So why don't you tell everybody what your role is? Well, I'm flattered, Deb. Thank you very much. I am the vice principal here at South Queens Middle School. I have been the vice principal here for the last six years, and I have been a educator in Queens County for the last 16 years. Started out at LRHS and ended up down here at South Queens Middle School. And your job puts you in a very unique position to see a lot of things that go on in our family of schools and as it relates to children and the health of children in our community. Because as everybody is probably aware by now, we at the Community Health Board, all health boards across the province, we take a look at what makes our communities healthy. And schools and the family of schools is a very important piece for that. So before we get into that, why don't you tell us what it is that you love about your job? Because I know that you love it. Oh, I absolutely do love it. There are so many things, but I think the best thing about my job is I get to see an array of students every day and I get to see their aha moments throughout the day. I get to help them with things that they might be struggling with. And I not only work with the students individually, but I work with their families as well. And it's very rewarding when you can put a smile on a family's face by doing the things that we do inside of our schools. So in the context of talking about healthy communities and linking the schools to that particular topic, what are the important things to look at from the perspective of an administrator or a teacher or somebody involved directly in that professional capacity with students? So I think it's important that we know students' backgrounds, and I think we need to be aware of what students might be coming with. We always call it their backpack. It may not be what they have their binders and everything in, but every student walks through our door with a backpack full of whatever. So from a day-to-day basis, it might depend on what's going on at their home. It might depend on what's going on at school. So we have to make sure that we have the lens from um, a student's perspective as to what's going on and how we can, how we can help them. So Stacy, we've been back to school for a while now. I wonder if you can tell us some of the factors that have a direct connection to our students' success in school. And I'm not only talking about, oh, they have great marks, but just overall. So the first and foremost thing is they have to be here, right? Students have to be in the building in order for us to make sure that they are going to be successful. And being successful for one student, it may look different from being successful for another student. And so the number one thing that I tell parents and students is in order to see success, you have to be here. Is that something that is a challenge for some families and students? 
Yeah, there are some, just speaking at this school, we do have some students who do struggle with getting to school. Um, And I know maybe later on, we'll talk about some of the reasons why, but we do have a handful of students who, yeah, it's hard for them to come either through the doors or to get up and come to school or whatever. Well, that certainly makes sense. And before we get into the reasons why, tell us some more about why it's so important to have consistent attendance. Well, it's important because it's not just the academics, there's the social aspect, there's the academics, of course, there's the being able to communicate with others. There's so many skills that students learn inside of our building and inside of our classrooms that is vital for when they are finished school. All of us finish school in one capacity or another, and I think that students learn how to be successful citizens in our communities by gaining skills that they learn at school. Yeah, that seems like it makes a lot of sense. And yet there are some myths that maybe are held in our community about maybe it's not that important to be Mm -hmm. at school all the time. What can you tell us about that? So some of the myths that I've heard, and and there are generations of people who didn't go to school, right, but were still successful. I know years ago when my grandfather went to school, he didn't graduate with a high school diploma, but was still very successful fishing or whatever. It's not to say that that doesn't happen, but in the society that we're growing up in now or our students are growing up in, it's really, really hard for kids to get high paying jobs if they don't have a high school diploma or they drop out when they're in grade nine or things like that. So that would be one of the myths. Another myth that we hear is that students who live in poverty don't think that school is important, which that's a a total myth. Sometimes it's very hard for students who live in poverty to get to school, but it's not to say that it's not a number one priority for them. They just have some more barriers that they need to climb over in order to get to school. So it's not as easy for them as it would be for other people. And uh, just to be clear, there are all kinds of kids from all different backgrounds that struggle with attendance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm thinking of all of our students and there are loads of backgrounds where there is a story for each of those backgrounds as to why they may not be able to come to school. So it's not just the kids who are in poverty or the kids who are Indigenous or or the kids who are from different backgrounds. There's a whole array and a whole host of reasons why people don't come. What would you say would be the biggest reasons that, in your experience, students are not consistently attending? Yeah. So one of the reasons would be that there may have been something that happened at school that kids don't feel comfortable coming into the building. There may be family issues where there's health issues or students have to look after other family members. Those would be reasons. Sometimes it's anxiety. We see a lot of anxiety in some of our students. And so the anxiety, whether it's to come into the building and be successful or to get to the building to be successful. We see a lot of that. We see some mental health issues, whether it's with the student themselves or with family members. So all of those things, I would say, would be our top reasons why we have some non-attenders. And so you're talking about things aside from someone sick or has a doctor's appointment, those kind of things. Exactly. Tell us about the um, challenges that being in this pandemic has sort of slipped into the goal. For the non-attenders that we have, the pandemic hasn't changed. So the non-attenders that we have this year would have been our non-attenders last year, the year before, the year before that, whether it was in our school or in 
or at the school before us. I don't see that the pandemic has made a big difference, but we do see higher attendance because people are more concerned about their students being sick, so they will keep them home. That has made an impact on our schools. But to say that our non-attenders are affected by the pandemic, I, I would say that's not true. And I guess you would deal with that on a family-to-family basis. Exactly. In our community health plan, we have health priorities, and our health priorities include safe and affordable housing, food security, community connections, and recreation and wellness. How does school attendance, in your opinion, connect with those important health priorities that we focus on in Queen's County? During the pandemic, when we weren't open, we were worried about those kids who we provide food for who we provide a safe, comfortable environment for, where we provide recreational activities for. And so when we were closed down, that was our big concern. And so I think that being at school is directly related to many of our community health board plant. So food security, we feed our kids, we make sure that they are safe at our school, we make sure that they are taken care of with recreational activities. I feel that when we have students who don't attend, some of the time, it bothers us because those are the things that we provide for those kids and provide for those families. And we're very open with families and they know what we provide for our students. But definitely being in school has a direct link to some of these priorities for sure. And not only that, too, we provide mental health supports here, too. In all of the schools, there is a adolescent outreach worker and a clinical therapist that are here one to two days a week. So we provide that service to our students as well. Not to jump ahead, but that's how sometimes we get students in the building, um, knowing that we can provide that support for them and their families, along with our Schools Plus and our student support workers and all of those. Those are great supports for our families that Sometimes we do hook kids back in by providing them with these services, right? A lot of the time when we have non-attenders, it's to get them in the building. Academics come second and their wellness comes first. That's right. Sometimes it's hard to get the kids back because parents may have had a negative experience at school. And so in some instances, it may not be a priority for families. Sometimes it's because a parent has had a negative experience at school. So it would be hard for them to send their kids to school when their only experience has been negative, right? It may be that kids are needed more at home. We have an instance where we have a student who takes care of his or her family, goes to doctor's appointments, goes grocery shopping with and for their family. So family is priority in that situation, right? School is second and family is first. So if it comes a time where the family needs to go to a doctor's appointment and this student is needed, then they forgo school and they do what is needed with the family. So just to be clear, can you please tell us the ages of the students that attend your school? Sure. We go from ages 10 to 14. And who am I to say that school is important when a family is going through a crisis? We want to make sure that open communication is there between the school and the families so that we can work through whatever's going on with the families and the student and be able to provide them with whatever they need whenever they need it. What advice can you offer to families and to people that are listening to our podcast right now who may be struggling? Contact us. Open communication is huge. We don't know you're struggling if you don't tell us, right? We can't support you if we don't know what's happening. In this day and age, there are so many different ways to get a hold of us. 
email, phone, Facebook message. We're here and we we want kids in school. We want to be able to support families. We will get people hooked up to whatever supports they need. We've got ways of getting those supports. There's a large circle of professionals who can help. And it just takes that one step of saying, hey, I need this, or I don't know where to go, or I don't know what to do. But if you contact us, then we'll be able to get it started. And I might not have all the answers. Our principal may not have all the answers, but we'll be able to know where to point you for sure. So there's help to be had, as you're saying, Stacey, there's help to be had. I have to imagine that once a student is a non-attending student, it's got to be hard to get back in the swing of things again. Absolutely. So sometimes it starts with missing a day a week, then you miss two days a week, and then you get into the rut of missing a few days a week, and then you're at the point where you're not coming at all. So sometimes if we can intervene as soon as possible, when we can start seeing a, a trend happening... Sometimes that allows us to bring the students back in and be able to offer what they need. And we watch our attendance very closely. So if we've noticed that a kid is missing one or two times a week, then we start calling and, and, and asking some questions and, and asking how we can support the student and things like that. But it's very easy to get into the routine of not coming to school. What accommodations do you make for a student that has a long absence? Luckily, since COVID, we all have our classes online, right? Mm -hmm. So we have the Google Classroom format in which many of our teachers put all of the classwork online. So if a student were to break their leg, let's say, or got really, really ill and was still able to do work at home, they would use the Google Classroom to be able to do the work and submit as much as they can. We don't expect kids to do 100% of the work when they're off. Uh, we know that they have bigger fish to fry, whether they're ill or they're trying to heal from something or whatever. So that's there as a support for students so that they can at least be a part of the class while not being part of the class. And for those kids that maybe do not have access to that technology, tell us what you do for them. We have one-to-one -one technology here at our school. So those kids who don't have technology, we have Chromebooks here that students are able to borrow through the year. Oh, that's fantastic. And there's, it seems to be more and more programming and more and more focus being put on issues like mental health and anxiety for a lot of these young people. In the short 16, 17 years that I've been in teaching, so many supports have become in place for our students that it's great to see that there are so many supports, but it's kind of sad to know that that's the world we're living in, that there are so many weights for our kids to bear that we have to have so many supports in place. I'm thankful that we do, but on the flip side, it, it's heart-wrenching to know that we have so many kids who are going through so many trying times. So Stacy, I've got a question for you. When you talk about students having challenges that affect their attendance and all of the resources and supports that they can get at the school, which you know we're so, so happy to hear about, and mm -hmm. we're very grateful that our students get the supportive environment in their schools. What do you think are the most important changes we need to make as a society so that students come into school, school ready? Like what would help those families so that those kids are coming to school fed and rested and not worried about their family problems and not having to help with childcare for younger siblings? I think in order for our families to feel comfortable sending their kids to our school and for kids to be comfortable in school and not have the weight of the world on their shoulders, I think two of the most important things that we need to have in our society is affordable housing, for sure. 
so that parents aren't worried about where they're going or if they're going to lose their rental or whatever, because that carries over to our students. They hear this and they know what's going on. So how could they not bring that to school? And basic income so that our families can support their children by giving them a good breakfast, a good lunch, a good supper. It's not to say that we're ever going to stop providing those meals for our kids because we're not, but just to have that peace of mind knowing that your kids are, are not going to school hungry, right? So having that basic income to be able to provide for your family is important as well. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I know how passionate you are about people getting their needs met mm-hmm. so that they can succeed to the best of their ability. Yeah, for sure. Stacy, thanks for coming to talk to us on the Community HealthCast today. It's been a pleasure and I've learned a lot. Elizabeth, how about you? Have you learned a lot today? I sure have. And you know, I'm not very experienced with how the schools work and I've learned so much from Stacy in her time on the Community Health Board. I really appreciate and respect this resource in our communities. They do such a great job. Yeah, no question about it. And, and I do too. So I would like to leave you, Stacy with the last word on this topic today? Well, being an educator who also lives in the community where I teach, I'm very passionate in making sure that our students are being taken care of. And however, I need to do that as a team with the people in my building, we'll do that. But like I said before, if I don't know, I can't help. So don't be shy. Whoever's listening and and you need help, don't be shy. Just reach out however you feel comfortable and we'll do our best to be able to provide for the students who are under our roof. We'll support them however we can. Well, that sounds fantastic. And I'm sure that's going to encourage people to reach out to you, Stacey, so we can get those students in the school. So thank you, everybody, for uh, tuning in to the Community HealthCast today. And I hope everybody has a great day. 